So this is the occasion of the <coughs> half moon, and so in this uh, particular time we're using these occasions for extending uh, our silent practice, called it meditation practice, uh, which is a certain sense of uh, you know, dropping, releasing duties and time boundaries and concerns are just you know, returning, you could say, to more fundamental perspectives and more fundamental properties than just the, the you know, particular item, circumstance, event, project of the, of the day or the moment or the month. We're actually returning to properties that are much more timeless, such as, uh, you know, clarity or rest or... Uh, um, purpose, you know, um, straightening, purification, liberation, uh, seeing. You know, these are the themes we we return to and refresh and bear in mind because this isn't the message you get anywhere else <laughs> in the world. I mean, you know, there are certain there are places like this that do this, but the general mainstream message is always about circumstances and events and and time and you know things of of this nature we call it external circumstances Mm. and today is our our, our quiet day so there's an opportunity and encouragement to you know make use of that openness to say well now you know, really prepare to, to tidy up and relinquish and clarify and reflect. So you've got to build up a certain uh, references that you bear in mind. Good karma, karma that the events, the qualities you brought into your life, qualities that you sustain in your life. Not these aren't events or circumstances. These are things like generosity, truthfulness, uh, um, persistence, um, you know, uh, reflectiveness, um, wisdom. These. You know, how is this going? Mm-hmm. And the good karma is any actions that we carry out from those bases, or we act wisely with clarity rather than blurred. Um, we act with truthfulness rather than manipulative. Mm-hmm. Clear, we're straight about what we're doing. When we act with generosity. <laughs> we 
And of course the highest kind of generosity is giving oneself. It's chago. Um, which is associated with, with largesse, great act of giving, but also with the third noble truth. Chago patinitsago, really giving oneself, relinquishing. You know, just don't hold on. Don't hold back. Don't hoard up. Just relinquish. Give yourself. <coughs> so many actions we carry out with, with these qualities in mind, any of these in mind, we're cultivating good karma. And good karma is something you can feel you can never, you need never be parted from. Good karma means both refraining from bad karma. <laughs> And sustaining good. And these terms actually put dark comma, bright comma, dark comma, bad comma, bright comma, which is bright. Mm. It gives you a better sense of it rather than just moralizing who's right and who's wrong. But what's dark, confused, oppressive, murky? <coughs> takes you to a dark place of not feeling happy. What is bright, encouraging, there's some radiance in it, a light, a quality, and generosity, an obvious one. And within that, you find you, there's a tone to these, you, you get a sense of what these are about. These aren't about moral judgments, this is about real effects that occur in terms of chitta, <coughs> basic heart or awareness. So your heart can feel bright and uplifted or feel confused and tangled. And this is something to, to notice what kind of actions you do. Either it took quite a bit of work or it didn't take much work actually. It was quite easy. But you've got a, that, that tonality that's bright, open. No regret, no furtiveness, no... Good. You get the tone and you... Notice that tone. This is a step that we take. Everything you do, you keep your eye on the heart. This is bringing up the bright tone. And as you get a sense of that, because it's not so strong immediately as sights and sounds and thoughts, but the tonality of heart. Know that? That action takes me to it. That action takes me to it. That speech takes me to it. That refraining takes me to it. You know, when I was feeling, you know, about to grumble or complain about somebody or gossip or something, you say, no, don't stop. Oh, yeah, that's good. Heart feels steady. Yeah. Whereas if I had followed that, maybe sort of, tangled and murky and unpleasant. So you really begin to notice property of bright karma is both through what one doesn't do and through what one does do. And this is very important to get this sense. It's not really about external actions per se. But there's actions that lead to this particular tone. And the refraining from actions, <laughs> that's the beauty of it. 
But if we're always just looking at karma in terms of actions that we do, we don't notice, you know, because what do we do in a day? And particularly in a quiet day, you don't do very much. But just think of the damage you didn't do. <laughs> you know, the, the stupid thing you didn't do, or the ugly thing you didn't say. Yeah. And you go to that place where, yeah, that's true. Very important to recognise this, this, the absence of of, uh, of dark or compulsive or greedy or violent or obstructive, because this is is a foundation really of of our renunciant life. Is what we put aside. In some ways we don't do very much, you know, just tidy up, fix this, build that. But what we're not doing is huge. What we're not doing, the non-violence, the non-cursing, the non-hoarding. The non-intoxicating. This isn't just repression, but actually giving one access something that's about the mind purifying, releasing. Because this is actually the most mainstream quality of action that we're searching for. The action that releases, not the action that accumulates more, but the action that releases. And we want to basically start releasing the unwholesome and also appreciate the results of that. So you have a quiet day, not doing so much, a bit of washing up, a bit of tidying up, cleaning this, that and the other, but not so much. Dwell upon, nothing need fear me. Creatures need not fear me. I will not harm them. Nobody need mistrust me. I will not lie to them. How's that feel? In a sense of really giving yourself back to your nobility, to your innate nobility, returning to that and taking refuge in it and never selling it short, you know. There's all kinds of things we can think, well, I'm not very good at this, I don't do that so much, you know. He did a lot, but I didn't do, and I'm not so good, and he's so, she's so smart, and she's brilliant, and I'm not, you know. You know, it just goes into this kind of always restricting the heart to, to the limitations of a personality. The grandeur and the beauty of the heart being restricted to the limitations of a person, personality. And that, that's really pretty, that's a prison sentence. Yeah. And certainly, as, you know, till you get age older, there's less and less that I'm confident with, <laughs> frankly. Less and less I can really say I'm doing great on this, that, or the other. You know, I can water the lawn. I'm okay at that. <laughs> I could do washing up still. I still get a subtle sense of, yeah, I'm one of the boys, you know, <laughs> in the washing up. 
but you know, you sort of give me a computer. What's that? I don't understand what he's talking about. You know, management. Oh my God, it's so complicated. You know, finances. Don't figure it. Can't figure it. You know, you can feel like a real idiot. On one level, you could say that. <laughs> but the, the uh, but when we think of just the looking at the purification of heart. Oh, I don't complain. I don't complain very much. That's good. I don't find fault very much less finding fault. That's good. That's hankering for things. That's good. (laughs) And you dwell in those places of contentment or relinquish ease or the absence. Of, of activity even I can do that and this is massive because most people can't they've got to have something to, to do or to hang on to or to be connected to to keep themselves going and get depressed anxious because there's no real uh, reference to awareness, to the purity, to the openness of heart, whatever you want to call it. That deep subjective presence that is attentive, listening. There's no real boundaries to it. Right? And that's a place where you find rest, meaningful rest. Not, it's not just a kind of collapse into sleepiness, but a rest, of act, rest from the mental activity. You can just rest back in that. Oh. And you get, from there you get refreshed, and then you can get the vitality arises. And then you can move into action, not from a place of urgency or willpower or obligation or I've got to get this done by a deadline and thrashing yourself into action but a joyful rising up oh this is beautiful bring forth the good this joyful rising rather than willful pushing and this way you know through, through really honouring the nature of chitta its ability to to release and its ability to arise into, into action. That you're not, you're honouring it, you're respecting it, also you're not wearing yourself out by forcing yourself forward. And also you're not having to collapse into inertia to get a break. Which often is, perhaps I put it very strongly, but the way of the untrained is, how do you get a rest? Well, you go to bed. And you lie down and maybe you've got to... Maybe, you know, sometimes people have to take pills these days to get some rest. And you've got to rest on to dullness and sleepiness before you get rest. That's what resting means. <laughs> go dull, go sleepy and, and, and lose mindfulness. And then action is you know, surge up, get going, look at the time, get going. And that, 
And this, this way a person or a chitta wears itself out and stays within the very structures of energetic structures of either hyper overactive, hypo underactive, crash out, surge up. Yeah. And around those energy patterns we get certain senses of obligation, gotta get this, gotta get this, gotta get this. That, that, yeah, and that keep us running and then had enough collapse, tired, worn out, crash out. That sort of does something like turning it off. But actually in both cases what's being turned off is the primary quality of, of awareness. Now, how does this happen? Because <laughs> uh, well, if we look in, you know, sometimes at the you know, the verbal structures, they can be a bit mystifying sometimes. But avicca pachaya sankara sankara pachaya vijnana vijnana pachaya namarupa. Okay, what's that all mean? Avijja, ignorance, not knowing, not seeing, not really understanding, having no access to, having never been taught about, never really realizing the nature of mind, of citta. Through that, what happens? Sankara, activations, rushing forward, rushing back, creating. Yeah? How does, what happens with that? The citta starts to establish, runs out and into consciousness. That means it runs out into sight, sound, touch, taste, odour. It's attracted to them. It quarrels with them. It delights in them. It, it compares this with that and the other. It's mesmerised by sight, sounds, touches, tastes. It says, that's where I am. I'm in this. And this process is the Nama Rupa process. All this consciousness starts to generate forms, sights, sounds, touches, people, trees, and so forth. And gets tangled up in it all. And we've in our experience, the, the experience is one of I'm within all this, this is around me. Sights are in front of me, hearing is around me, uh, Smells come from outside and shoot into me, so the tastes, they're outside. And I'm sort of inside experiencing this. I'm the one who experiences these things. So there's an externalizing. And this consciousness in this state generates a sense of an internal subject who is assailed by, or delighting in, or reaching out to, or resisting external phenomena. There's a fundamental division there. I say, well, that's true, isn't it? Hmm? (laughs) Well, there's some things you can begin to question. If phenomena are external, why do they stir you up so much? How do they get in? <laughs> if they're really external, sight is something completely outside, 
Why does it generate feeling of desire or agitation? How does it get in? Through the eye? Well, what occurs is we have what's called good mind consciousness. Mano vinyana, mind consciousness. And what that does, it, yeah, it labels things. Uh, and recognizes things. Labels things as agreeable, necessary, urgent, confusing, unimportant. Labels things, male, female, friend, enemy, it labels things. And that labeling is a, it internalized qualities of fear, apprehension, uncertainty, being affected. And so our world is regenerated through mind. Mind consciousness, Mano is the chief of all Dhammas. So what gets in is not a sight, but the mental impression of the sight. And you can notice that because clearly in this very room you can see many, you can probably see so many different things. The wood, the floor, the stain of the floor, the sheen of the lights, the prajna parameter, the Buddha, the me, your robe, somebody else's back. But actually you don't. Something says, oh that bit. You take 10%. That's mind. Mind does that. Focus. That bit. And that's the bit that's interesting. All that's getting me. And this sense of contact arises. And then I get activated by that. <coughs> Stirred by that. And even more uh, to the point, and the more uh, illuminating is to recognize that most of your contact is with purely mental objects, thoughts, plans, opinions, <coughs> moods, emotions. They have no apparent external reality at all. And yet they become external. I am now sitting in the middle of my thoughts. I am now being assailed by this powerful regret. You know, I'm, in, I'm in here with this terrible memory jumping on top of me. I'm here overwhelmed with all these things I have to do. By next week, you know, I'm in here. So the mind generates an external. Right? I'm inside this with all this stuff happening to me. What is this external? How do I keep creating a world that I'm a little limited by? This is called Avijja. Avijja <laughs> Pacheya Sankara. Sankara activations, formations, mental forms are created. These emotional forms, psychological forms, obligation, worry, mm. excitement, 
desire, aversion, mental formations. Around these formations, when I'm in that negative mood, I see something to get negative about. Don't like that floor. <laughs> or something like that, you know. So the mental formation arises and through this and it externalizes. And the external world or an apparently external world is really just a representation of what our mind at this particular moment is interested in or motivated by or driven by or the external world is what something is choosing to see, hear, taste, touch, remember. The external world is created by the internal movements and stirrings of the citta. And Manovinyana is the agent that helps to ink that in. The stirrings of the citta, desire, we see something less desirable, feeling of inadequacy, stirring, oh I can't do that, I can't, stirrings, doubt, stirrings of doubt, well I don't know if I can really make this happen, what, and we find mind then finds something to you know to confirm that the external world is generated by the internal not the other way around you say no surely there's trees and rocks and sky and birds no what I'm meaning is what you experience in your world I'm not talking about geography or biology I'm talking about experience what you experience in your world it's quite possible to spend a day at Chitri without really noticing the trees, the pigeons and so forth they're there but you can walk around with your arms and say I think I'm going to do this and I don't know why they should bother me I wonder how we can do that Pigeon, oh pigeon, yeah. <laughs> you know, your world is generated internally. Right? And Manovinyana helps to support that by projecting that onto sights and sounds and triggering it. So if we're trying to rearrange the external world so we feel more comfortable, this is a very long way of trying to go around it and it doesn't work. Because as long as the internal world is stirred, the external world that it experiences will still have the same quality to it. So if the internal world is is agitated with restlessness, no matter where you go, it will still be like that.
I remember when I was a, a young man traveling, and I always had this uh, experience where I'd be in something for a while, and there's a feeling of, well, I don't know, I want to get out of this. I've had enough of this, I'm bored with this, I want to get out of this. I've done school, I want to get out of this. Yeah, and being at university, yeah, I want to get out of this. And so traveling, I'd travel somewhere, I'd keep moving, keep moving. I quite enjoyed it. Get somewhere, yeah, I'm here somewhere else, I'll get out of this and get somewhere else. And I found after a while that that process was beginning to speed up. So I was traveling, I'd be okay in somewhere for about a week, looking at this and that and this and that, and then I enough of this, get out of it, somewhere else. And it got down to about three or four days before, yeah, I've seen now, I've done that, I already get out of this. And it was getting to the point where it's almost as soon as I arrived somewhere, I'd want to get out of it. Same old stuff, you know. I've done that, I've seen that, I've, I've tasted that, I've ate that, I've been there, enough of this, I want to get out of this. Hey, where do you get out of it? Because <laughs> the Vibhava, wanting to get out. Yeah. Uh, you know, what do you want to get out of? Is, do you want to get out of this pattern, really? So now's the time to stay. And that's what kindled my resolution for my initial resolution in holy life. Just look, you need something, you need to stay. You need to just sit there, you just stay there. But it doesn't, you stay there. But I don't like it, yeah, I know, but stay there. But it's not working, it doesn't matter, stay there. Um, I don't see why you should have it, just stay. <laughs> you can do it quicker somewhere, stay. Just stay there. Other people have it much easier, stay, stay. <laughs> Nobody else looks like getting very much out of being, stay, stay. You've done that, you've done that a lot, now stay. Eventually, the time to stay, stay, stay. And you find something you can stay in. A little bit of something. Like, can you just stay feeling your body? Can you just stay maybe walking up and down? Just get through an hour of walking up and down. You know, without the mind running off somewhere else. Or if it did run off somewhere, if you didn't follow it, you just just witnessed it scrambling instead of acting upon it. Very good. I remember the first time I managed to do that for 10 minutes. I thought, well, I'm nearly enlightened already. I've got 10 minutes of being able to sit still without the mind wanting to go somewhere else. <laughs> then eventually I got up so I could do 10 minutes of sitting, 10 minutes of walking, 10 minutes of sitting, 10 minutes. I got through a whole hour without going, scrambling, going crazy. Well, this is it. I'm really making progress. Yeah. And that's, I'd never done that. I'd never sat somewhere without going into something to read or taste or talk about or listen to or plan or remember or, you know, just stop. 
it doesn't sound like a great achievement, but that's how it turns. You begin to sense that resolve. Stay. And of course, what, when you stay, you, all the old habits come up. You feel dull, and irritated, restless. Stay. And just by not buying into them, not adopting them, you, you gradually, the power of them weakens. And you get a sense of something is beginning to you know, almost separate itself from phenomena. It's a subtle thing. You can witness phenomena. Uh, you can witness, there can be that witnessing phenomena. You think, well, couldn't I see something nicer? I'm fed up with this movie. Could I have something nicer to witness? Uh, wait a little while. It might take a few years. <laughs> So, meanwhile, why don't you just do some good? You can witness that. Yeah. Share merit. Think of the people who have helped you and feel grateful. Yeah, I can do that. Look around the world with a mind of loving kindness, or non aversion, or non harming. Yeah, I think I could do that. Good karma. You can do it. And that will help definitely supports and then you, you begin to recognize how this is so important to find that place where you your jitta is given enough food of a good karma of brightness to be able to bear with the flood of old karma old habits conditioning worldly conditioning but that sense of witnessing is then something that's given some nourishment and strength and there's your meditation now there are so many forms of meditation systems and you know that you and I find certain forms I find myself being more attuned to than others but really the basic thing is to find a quality that your mind will rest in, settle in, without too much struggle. It could be just walking up and down. It could be a mental state. It could be the quality of goodwill. It could be just the quality of listening. Something that you find, the mind, the chitta, finds comfort in that. You've got something there. And the more you steady in that, the more your energy rests in that, it becomes stronger. You return to it, strengthen it. That becomes your agent for what's called samadhi. Mental energy is consolidated rather than scattered. It gathers around that, it connects into that. It strengthens. Yeah. Instead of running out to generate external forms and time, place, situation, me, you, dramas and histories. And this is the principle for purification, for clarification, for awakening. It's both restful Because all the world of created phenomena, it, it's using your energy. 
Remember, nothing actually, no sight or sound grabs you. You grab them. Something runs out to them. Every time something runs out, that's some energy running out into that. So, careful. Remember, no sight, no sound, no touch, no taste has got the power to grab you. You do the grabbing through unacknowledged attraction, aversion, agitation and so forth. You have the power then to stop doing it. And if you sense restraint, you retrieve your energy. You say, no, I'm not giving you that. I'm not giving my energy to that. I'm turning in. Again, for the untrained mind, that sounds like some kind of penance. No fun. Fun is a right you know, for running out. This is how the worldly values are upside down. Yeah, burn yourself out completely. <laughs> On trivia. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> no, no, if you restrain so that the energy of your chitta is then held carefully, collected, you haven't thrown it away, it consolidates and it feels comfortable and warm and you've got resources, you don't burn out. So, these are all principles that help us to find uh, rest, meaningful rest, which rest which is not a collapse of awareness, or a stifling of awareness, or a, but actually rest which is a brightening of awareness. Awareness of awareness. And so the external forms of consciousness have the internal form, the heart of consciousness, the trackless consciousness, the measureless consciousness, which is the internal. has no particular object to it. It doesn't need an object. It's not bothered by objects. It doesn't create thoughts moods, memories, anticipations, doesn't bother with it. Creates no external forms to be held by or delighting in or dealing with. Why it's restful. So all this is kind of contrary really, enigmatic. How can it be that we put so much effort into taking a rest? <laughs> How can we be that we uh, find so much joy in, in uh, letting go of sights and sounds and touches and tastes? And yet, this is when you understand the nature of jitta, you see, that's exactly how it is. Because all the joy of taste came from your jitta. You placed it there, or something placed it there. There's nothing inherently pleasant about tasting or seeing, apart from what you did to stick places on it. And could all that property be gathered back, gathered in? Then we find that 
And another contradiction, the internal is boundless, the external is limited. The internal is boundless because it doesn't create boundaries. The external is all boundaries. And the world believes in it. Monday, Tuesday. What's a Monday? When does Monday become Tuesday? Yes, particularly in, in uh, Western thing, it happens at midnight. In, uh, at least in folk, or originally in Asia, it begins at dawn. And if you look at dawn, it's a slow time. Gradually, it's less of Monday, and it gradually forms into Tuesday. But actually, there's no sharp boundary. And yet, we create them. We create little calendars with boxes around days and we end up believing in it. We believe in hours and minutes. We believe in boxes. You know, you particularly go to some parts of the world, Belgium and Holland, the frontier between Belgium and Holland, there isn't one. (laughs) You try and find it. It's just, I don't think they even bother with it anymore, but if you look on the map, there's no dotted lines. When does Belgium become Holland? And when does Belgium become France? Yeah. And when does <laughs> Norway become Sweden? Snow, right? We believe in these things. And, and of course, huge passions and conflicts are created around these boundaries, around these boxes. Huge passions are created around getting things done by Tuesday or Monday or Wednesday. What's that? How can it be that these constructions end up confining us, our hearts? This kind of incredible gundering trick whereby through not understanding the nature of mind we generate forms and structures that we then become servants of. They create pressure. <laughs> like, is this ignorance or not? <laughs> it's like we, we spend time weaving whips to, to thrash ourselves with. <laughs> Building cages to box ourselves in because it makes us feel more secure. I know where I am. I know where I am. And that's, there's pathos in that. Really is that when it's that loss, we don't know who we are or where we are unless we've got a cage, a box, a number, a name, identity, or something like that. That is sad. Deeply sad. And truly, unless the chitta has been trained, that's actually what happens. People can't have those things, they break down. The chitta is so starved of, of access, of encouragement, of, of cultivation, that people break down. It goes crazy without that. It's important to recognize this because sometimes it seems we're not doing very much, not getting anywhere, we're dealing with it. But actually, 
the most important thing is what we're not doing. And the way that we can perhaps look at some of these things like hours and days and time. Say, well, it's, so what, you know? <laughs> is it work day or non-work day? Well, you know. Is it 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock? Well, you know. start to tease and play with some of these things and see what they are. And surely, of course, you know, we can pick them up. Say, okay, for the sake of organization, we'll meet at 7.30 because that's just handy. But then, knowing how to use these things and not be used by them. We can use a meditation system but not feel it's a competition or something I've got to get good at. We're not, you know, we're using that where we already feel good. We find ourselves, the path begins with that place of feeling some happiness, some stability. And then you, and then you refine from there into some particular meditation system that you feel attracted to. And in a way, that's the external form of it. The quality of the internal process of it is the most significant thing. And so this is our evening for that. And Buddha Gang is very, very clear um, guidance on that. You know, it starts with a sense of pomoja, gladness. If you look at the process, proper process of cultivation begins with some sense of, if you keep precepts, he says, if you keep precepts and reflect upon that, that which wishes to live honorably and truthfully, that which wishes to live with respect and tenderness towards others, just access that quality. Keep resonating with that quality. And quality of chit. This will make this will give you gladness. Pramoja. When the gladness comes up, then yeah, this what begins to softly arise like dawn. You linger in it, make much of it, take it into awareness, rest in it. Till it then it, it begins by itself to ripen and it leads on to a restfulness in the body. The nervous system stops being so activated. We feel more satisfied. Some of the personality anxieties drift away. We've got something there that's nourishing. Some of the comparisons of self and others begins to fade. The doubts about what one is and what one isn't. You have gladness. And it begins to be restful. Your mind is happy. As it's happy, it settles. It's settling in samadhi. It sits in that, stays in that. Sees things clearly. This is the way it goes. And if you contemplate it, you recognize it's, it's a slow process of movement from a more activated state, such as gladness, a very cool, still quality 
witnessing, seeing things. It goes quieter and quieter and quieter. That's the process of Dhamma. The process of the world goes in the opposite direction. Starts off, that's a nice idea. Oh, let's keep going. And it gets more and more complicated. <laughs> As you go along, how do I get into this? <laughs> it gets faster, speeds up. Right? And it gets tighter, more complicated. You notice that? Dhamma goes the other way. Moves quieter and quieter and quieter and still. To that release the jitta from generating phenomena. So we have some opportunity for uh, a mutual support on this occasion to recollect, to feel confident in, to feel uh, encouraged in. Uh, this is the external form what the internal process is. Um, this really is your practice. But finding the place where your mind, your jitta can rest and feel contented. Take your time with that. Walking, standing, sitting. Yeah. So it becomes established, established, established. Using it to clear out the uh, hindrances and let the mind settle into that. And this will be for our welfare and happiness and uh, sustaining our practice for our own welfare, for the welfare of those who come after, looking for our support and guidance. Mm-hmm. <coughs> 